The Second Story Man by Upton Sinclair. One Act Play Collection 8. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Second Story Man. Characters Jim Faraday. Read by Todd. The Second Story Man. Harvey Austin. Read by Algy Pug. A lawyer. Helen Austin. Read by Michelle Eaton. His wife. Scene. Library of the Austin home. Time, 2 a.m. The scene shows a luxuriously furnished room. In the center is a table with a lamp. To the right is the entrance into the front hall, the front door of the house being visible. In the corner is a cabinet of curios. In the rear is a large window opening onto the street. Open fireplace. There are two entrances to the left. There are bookshelves, several easy chairs, etc., in the room. At rise, the stage is empty, and the room is darkened, except for the fire in the grate. Sounds of breaking wood are heard at the window. Jim, a roughly dressed young fellow, with a patch over one eye, enters through the window, stands gazing around nervously, looks into the hall, etc., then flashes a dark lantern. This looks pretty good. Goes to mantle, takes silver cup, and puts it into bag, which he carries. Then exit left. Austin enters at the front door without much noise, hangs up coat and hat, and then stands in entrance. He is a smooth-faced young man in evening dress. All gone to bed, eh? Takes out cigarette case and is about to light one when a crash is heard off left, as of a vase falling. He starts, then runs to table, opens drawer, takes out revolver, and examines it, and seals off through the other entrance at left, saying, That noise seemed to come from downstairs. Jim enters panic-stricken. God, what a thing to do! Gazes into hall and upstairs. Don't seem to have waked them. Proceeds to examine room, stopping now and then to listen. After placing several articles in bag, he goes to cabinet and tries to open it. This takes some time and while he is crouching in the shadow, with his back to the entrance right, Mrs. Austin appears. Mrs. Austin. She is young and beautiful, and wears a night robe and dressing gown. She stands looking about anxiously, and then goes to center of room, when she hears a sound from Jim, and starts wildly. Oh! Jim leaps to feet, lifting revolver. Hold up your hands! She starts back in terror. Hold up your hands! I'm not armed. Never mind. Long pause while they stare at each other. I don't want to hurt you, lady. No, I suppose not. You only want to get away. That's right. Very well, you may go. And you yell for the police the moment I get out of the door, hey? No, I don't want the police. I don't believe in sending men to jail. Huh. Another pause. Why do you do this? It's the way I live. Isn't it a rather trying kind of work? It ain't all play, ma'am. Mrs. Austin, smiling. I should think it would be hard on the nerves. Is there no honest way you can earn a living? I don't know. Maybe so. I got tired of looking for it. I might help you if you would let me. I ain't asking any help. No, but I'm offering it. Have you been doing this sort of thing very long? No. How long? Jim, after hesitation. This is my first job. 
What? You don't mean that... It happens to be true, ma'am. What made you do it? It's a long story. Tell it to me. It ain't just a good time for storytelling. You are afraid of me. I have no quarrel with you. I don't care anything for the things you have in the bag, and besides, I suppose you won't take them now. I'm only sorry to see a man going wrong, and I'd like to help if I could. I'll play fair. I give you my word of honour. There ain't much honour in this business. No, I suppose not. But you can trust me. Put up that gun and talk to me. It can't do any good. Well, it can't do any harm. Put up that revolver and tell me what's the matter. You let me go when I want to? No tricks? I give you my word. All right. I'm a fool, I guess, but I'll trust you. Put revolver in pocket. Sit down, ma'am. It must be cold for you. This is a queer kind of layout for a burglar. Sits opposite her. You heard that racket I made in the other room? Yes. What was it? Some kind of a jar. Oh, my Greek vase. Well, never mind. <laughs> it was an imitation. What were you doing? I was looking for something to eat. Oh. It would have been the first thing I've had since the day before yesterday. What's the matter? No work. I suppose you'll give me the old gag. There's plenty of work for a man that's willing. No, I happen to have studied, and I know better than that. Else I should have fainted when I saw you, instead of sitting here talking to you. Do you drink? Yes, but I didn't used to. Any man would drink that went through what I did. Are you married? Yes, I was married. My wife is dead. Any children? Two. Both dead. Oh. It ain't a pretty story, ma'am. It's a poor man's story. Tell it to me. All right. It'll spoil your sleep for the rest of the night, I guess. But you can have it. A year ago, I was what they call an honest working man. I had a home and happy family. And I didn't drink any too much. And I did well, even if the work was hard. I was in the steelworks here in the town. The Empire Steel Company? Yes. Why? Uh, nothing. Only I happen to know some people there. Go on. It's no child's work there, ma'am. There's an awful lot of accidents, more than the world has any idea of. I've seen a man sent to hell in the snapping of a finger, and they don't treat them fair. They hush things up. There are things you wouldn't believe if I told them to you. Tell them. I've seen a man there get caught in one of the cranes. They stopped the machinery, but they couldn't get him out. They'd have had to take the crane apart, and that would have cost several days, and it was a rush time. And the man was only a poor hunky, and there was no one to know or care. So they started up the crane and cut his leg off. Oh, horrible! It's the sort of thing you couldn't believe unless you saw it. But I saw it. I didn't care, though. I was a fool. And then my time came. How do you mean? A blast furnace blew out, and a piece of slag hit me here, where you see that patch. If it wasn't for the patch, you'd see something that would make you sick. It was a pain you couldn't tell about. It was a couple of days before I knew where I was. And the first thing when I came to my senses, in the hospital it was, there was a lawyer chap with a paper waiting for me. Uh, a, a lawyer? Yes, ma'am. Company representative, you know. And I was to sign the paper, 
it was a receipt for the hospital expenses. The operation and all that. You see, they had to take out what was left of my eye, and, of course, I couldn't see. I had to sign where he told me to, and when I got well, I found they had trapped me into signing a release. A release? I had accepted the hospital expenses as a release for all the company owed me, and I couldn't get any damages. And my eye was gone, and all the weeks without any wages. My God! And they turned me out so weak I could hardly walk, and... Who was this man? Which? This lawyer. I never heard his name. He was a young fellow, handsome, smooth-faced. Mrs. Austin, whispering. Oh? Ah, they don't mind it. They're smooth. They do it all the time. It's what they get their pay for. Mrs. Austin, covering her face with her hands. Oh, stop. What's the matter? Mrs. Austin, looking up with white face. Nothing. Go on. It was two months before I could work at all. And the rent came due when they turned us out. It was winter time, and my wife caught a cold, and it turned to pneumonia, and she died. That's all of that. Go on. And then, you see, the panic came, and the mill shut down. Sudden as that. The lawyer told me the company would see I always had a job, but that was only to get me to sign. Mrs. Austin, feverishly. Did you try him? I went to the office and tried, but they wouldn't even let me see him. I see. And then? Then I went out to look for work. I had the two babies, you know. And God only knows how I love those babies. I said I'd fight and win out for their sakes. But Amy, she was the little one. She never had been very strong. When you're a poor man, you can't get the best food, even if you know what it is. It ain't fit milk they sell for the children in this city. And the baby died. I never knew what was the matter exactly. And there was only one left. And me trapping the streets all day looking for a job. How was I to take care of him, lady? How could I have helped it? His voice is breaking with emotion. And oh, ma'am, he was the loveliest little fellow. With hair like gold. And so well and strong. Mrs. Austin, whispering. What's happened to him? A streetcar killed him. Oh. Ran over his chest, ma'am. I came home at night, and they told me. And I went near out of my mind. Can you think what it was to see him, with his eyes starting out of his head like that, and his beautiful body all mashed flat? Oh, spare me! I told you it wouldn't be a pretty story. Do you think maybe you wouldn't take to drink if you saw a sight like that? Sinking back. Since then, I've looked for work, but I haven't cared much. Only sometimes I thought I'd like to meet that young lawyer. Mrs. Austin, starting up. Oh. Yes, it all began with him. But I don't know. They'd only jug me. Anyway, tonight, I was sitting in a saloon with two fellows that I had met. One of them was a second-story man, a fellow that climbs up porches and fire escapes. And I heard him telling about a haul he'd made. And I said to myself... There's a job for me. I'll be a second-story man. And I tried it. But you see, I didn't do very well. I'm not good for much, I guess, anymore. Austin enters left, revolver in hand, stands watching, unobserved. Good heavens! You can't tell. You may have better success than you look for. No, there's nothing can help me. I'm for the scrap heap. Wait and see. You are a man. You can be helped yet. Austin, coming forward. What does this mean? 
Jim starts wildly and reaches for revolver. Ha! Austin, raising weapon. Hold up your hands. Mrs. Austin, rushing forward. No, stop! What do you mean? I say stop. I promised him his freedom. My dear. Give me the weapon. Why? Give it to me. Takes revolver. Now sit down. Jim has been staring wildly at Austin. My God! It's the lawyer fellow. Yes, it is he. What does all this mean? Look at this man. Austin, staring. Why? Don't you know him? No. Look carefully. Turns up light. Have you never seen him before? Never that I can recall. What is his name? I don't know. To Jim. What is it? Hmm. He could find out anyway. Jim Faraday. Faraday. It sounds familiar. You've served the trick on a good many, I guess. Austin. To Mrs. Austin. What does he mean? Don't you remember the sister's hospital? The fellow that had his eye burned out in a big explosion? Oh. Jim, sneeringly. Ah, yes. You are the man? I'm the man. Harvey, you took this man some paper to sign. Yes, I remember. Did you tell him what was in it? Austin hesitates. Why? Answer me, please. Why, my dear? Did you tell him what was in it? But, my dear, it wasn't my business to tell him. Oh? I was representing the company. I see. It was his place to see what was in it. Harvey, this man with one eye burned out and not yet over the accident. My dear, you don't understand. You didn't leave me to find out for myself. You lied to me. At least you permitted him to be misled. You did not tell him the honest truth about the paper. And what would be the effect if he signed it? My dear, you do not understand. I could not have done that. I was a representative of the interests of the company. And this is the sort of work you do for them? That is the sort of work that has to be done. I cannot help it, much as I would like to. You have done that sort of thing before, and you will do it again. My dear. And you take money for it. You bring that money home to me, and you never told me how you got it. You make me share it in your guilt. Helen! This was how you earned your promotion. This was what you came to me and boasted about. This was what we married on. This money, blood money, that you get for cheating this helpless labourer out of his rights, out of everything he had in the world. My dear, you are out of your mind. You do not understand business. Harvey? Harvey? Do you know what you've done to this man? What you and I together have done to him? We have wrecked his life. We have driven him to hell. We have murdered his wife and his two children. We have turned him into a tramp and a criminal. We've climbed to success on top of him. We have made our fortune out of his blood. This house, this furniture, these pictures, all this beauty and comfort, all this we've coined out of his tears and agony, out of the lives of his sick wife and his two little babies. And you have done this for me. You have made me the cause of it. You have put the guilt of it upon my young life. A thing that I must carry through the world with me. Austin, starting towards her. Helen! No, don't touch me. Speak to him. It is with him you have to do. What have you to say to him? Don't think about me. My dear, be reasonable. What have you to say to him? That's what I want to know, Harvey. 
don't you understand it is your character that is up for judgment it can't be as bad as you say why can't it find out austin after a long pause turns to jim faraday well is what my wife says true it's true you got no damages from the company didn't you fix it yourself what do they pay you for and had you no money saved my family had to live on it and didn't you get your job back until the shutdown i did oh that's so i forgot that huh that's too bad i will have to do something for you will that bring my wife and babies back to life oh your family died my god that's terrible faraday i can't help that what can i do listen man you see how unhappy my wife is you don't want to make the thing impossible for me do you i ain't doing anything be reasonable and let me atone for the mistake we'll say nothing about this about uh, tonight we'll start over and i'll see that you get a good job and a fair chance huh. will you do that i'm honestly sorry about it and perhaps if i can give you some money for a start takes out purse put up your money it ain't likely you've got as much there as i'd have got from the company oh is that it well maybe that is fair i'll fix up with you on that basis and what about the other fellows hey the other fellows that you've done out the same way you done me what about dan kearney that lost his life the day after and you and the rest of the company's sharks fixed it up so that his widow couldn't prove how it was that he got hurt harvey yes ma'am they done that and it ain't the first time they done it either nor the last and they've bought juries and judges too i reckon there ain't much work of a dirty sort that the empire steel company ain't tried in this city and you can bet their smart young lawyers know all the game i'm sorry for you lady you're a white and i'd be glad to help you but i've seen too much of the company in its ways and i won't lie down and lick its hand not for any money i ain't so low i've got the value of my wife and two little babies figured out and ready to hand i reckon i'll stay on the outside of the fence and take my chances i'll wind up in jail i suppose but there's many a better man than me done the same so i'll guess i'll go and we'll call it off starts away harvey my dear is that all you can say to him you will let him go to jim is that all you can say to him you will let him go listen to me you are right we can never undo what we have done we cannot repay you but at least we must do what we can we cannot let the evil go on you yourself have no right to do it you have no right to give up your life i see what you mean lady and i'm sorry for you i'd help you if i could but it's too late i know that there can't anybody save me i'm rotten i'm a boozer i couldn't stop if i wanted to and i ain't got any reason to want to i ain't in the running mrs austin stretching out her arms but what can i do you can look after them that ain't down look after them that your husband and the rest of the company sharks will do up tomorrow no oh they'll do it i know what you mean you'll make him stop but they'll have another man in his place it's a machine it goes right on yes and you won't do as much as you think you will either 
You'll think it over, and you won't go as far as you mean to now. No. No. Ah, but you can't help it. You're in the mill, too. It's the class you belong to. You can talk and feel sorry, but you ain't made to do things. You have to have your houses and your fine dresses, and you couldn't live without them, and there'd be no use your trying. And that means you have to live off my class. You have to ride on our backs. And it don't much matter which part you ride on, as far as I can see. You'll make your husband get a new job, maybe. But he'll do the same thing in another way. Only you won't find it out. But any way he gets his money, it'll come out of me and my kind. Do you see? I do the work. I'm the man underneath. I make the good things, and you get them. Good luck to you. You are cruel. Nothing of the kind. I've just told you the facts. I feel sorry for you. I'd do anything I could for you. Stretching out his hands. See what I've done? I've given you your husband's life. Oh. Yes, just that. You've no idea how many times I swore that I'd kill him on sight. That I'd strangle the life out of him if I ever laid my eyes on him again. I used to sit when I was half drunk and brood over it. My God, I even swore it by the body of my little boy. And I've got my gun, and you've taken his away from him. And I don't shoot him. I leave him to you. You punish him. Exit right. Austin stretches out his arms to his wife. She sinks upon the table, burying her head. Curtain. End of the second story, man.